welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined once again by my friend Chris Kiewicz, the Executive Director of the Charities Review Council. Chris, thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks so much for coming in and giving me a chance to have this conversation. I really appreciate it. I asked for a little bit of your time. We've talked in the past before about your direct work at the Charities Review Council, and I'll have a link in the show notes to that first conversation. Um, But one of the things that you get to do in your work is really understand this smart givers kind of thinking that you promote through your own work and how that is carried not just here in Minnesota, but elsewhere. Um, And I wanted to talk with you a little bit about Candid, this merger of uh, two larger infrastructure-based organizations. But before we get into that, could you just refresh people a little bit about what is the Charities Review Council? What's your mission and work? Sure. Our mission is uh, to build donor and nonprofit relationships for strong, vibrant, and just communities. We're in year two of this new mission, and our, our, our vision is to transform philanthropy by building those relationships. So it's a brand new mission for an organization that was started in 1946. So we use accountability standards as the contract of expectation between donors and nonprofits, where nonprofits will go through a review process, achieve our meet standards seal, and then that communicates strength and accountability to donors so they can feel confident giving to those organizations. So your work around the, your own accountability standards is one of the reasons why I thought of you when the um, the idea of GuideStar merging in with the Foundation Center um, was first unveiled to the rest of the world as something that apparently has been in conversation for a long time. But um, GuideStar also has had a process of, um, I don't remember what they're, they don't use accountability standards, they use a different word for levels of uh, um, transparency. But they have a, a review standard or process too, where they ask people to, you know, be rated, um, as it were. Um, so in, in your work of trying to identify what are the things that matter in um, understanding whether a nonprofit can deliver on that mission, can be around long enough to make the impact that they're talking about, all those things, um, have, have you thought about GuideStar's role as that larger partner in the past? And how do, how do you see that part of this mission you know, changing or, or evolving? Sure. Um, We differentiate from GuideStar in that we actually review information that nonprofits give us. GuideStar is a portal where nonprofits put information about their organization on that website. And the more information that's put into that portal, uh, the higher the ranking is, right? So GuideStar's belief was that the more information you shared, um, the more um, trustworthy you would be as an organization. But there was no one who actually vetted the information that was being provided. So that's how we differ from um, an organization like GuideStar. Certainly, um, you know, the other part that GuideStar has is all of the 990s. So as a donor, you can go out and get any organization's 990. Um, That's not information that we have because organizations elect to go through the review process with us and we don't have every nonprofit's information on our website. So it's, it's a little bit different. We're both serving donors, right? So we both want to help donors make informed giving decisions. We just have a different pathway um, by which we get there. And so for GuideStar, um, as, an, as a large organization, they um, and every nonprofit that is um, serving um, the sector and, and infrastructure organization, the challenge really is how to be a sustainable organization, 
right? So how right. do you, what is the financial model that supports you being able to do the work um, of your organization and serving nonprofits and donors? Because we don't, um, I always like to say we don't make food, we just make food taste better. So, um, <laughs> I like that one. you know, so first we tend to be um, for the more sophisticated palate as donors, right? So people who get what we're doing um, uh, know a little bit more about the sector or um, in addition to other causes that they might care about, they would support an organization like us. So I know GuideStar in the past has worked hard to try and figure out how to monetize their business model so that they could be sustainable as an organization. And I think there are efficiencies to be gained for a large entity um, to align its brand with an organization like the Foundation Center. So um, I do, um, I am... Um, it is an interesting merger because it is not identical organizations, right? right? Um, so their scope and scale becomes larger. And so it'll be really fascinating to see uh, what the um, plus is in that merger that um, hasn't even maybe been thought of at this point. Yeah, and I want to get into what the Foundation Center has been and how that those services continue to evolve as a part of the new Candid. But let's talk for just a second about the name, Candid. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Candid period. This is the name of this new merged entity, which will take a while. So you know, now if you go to GuideStar or Foundation Center, you see that name GuideStar by Candid or Foundation Center Online by Candid or whatever. So they're rolling out that identity um, over time. They understand that many people that are used to using those services are not going to know what Candid means. But how do you think about that as a communications tool for um, those two missions of both what Foundation Center had been doing and uh, about GuideStar? I actually had a positive reaction to the name Candid. A lot of I've talked to other people who are like, "Meh, I don't like it." <laughs> um, but you know, Candid, like the reality is that um, you know, for us at Charities Review Council, this new mission, really about building relationships, is about creating authentic and engaged relationship. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? You dismantle distrust. You forge trust. You're candid, right? Mm -hmm. In um, and so. It really, it is a, it, to me, it's a really, um, it, it could be very powerful. So it'll be really fun to see what they do from a marketing communications perspective to see how that name um, turns into the action for the organization, right? Yeah, and the value that, that, that it might come with. So you mentioned the business model question in particular about GuideStar because uh, I have had a GuideStar membership for many years, but I've not paid them a dime. The, the free login is enough for what I need it to do to get access to uh, kind of current 90 or current of 990s as I can get from that site. Um, but, you know, they've had a more premium level of membership, which is supposed to give you more access to more financial analysis or something. And honestly, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say after, you know, being a, a nonprofit professional for as many years as I have been, I don't really know what the value proposition is beyond the free tier because I, I always felt like I got what I needed at the free tier which I guess is one of the challenges that they have in thinking about how they make this information available. Um, so your um, process that you go through when you do your accountability standards, you're dedicating staff time, those charities are expected to contribute towards the cost of that staff time, right? 
They do, yeah. but we actually keep it really affordable. So we fundraise to offset the actual cost. So um, the full cost is around $3,000. Mm -hmm. uh, and we charge 0.02% of an organization's operating expense, a uh, minimum of $100. It sounds really complicated, but the reality is if you're a million-dollar organization, it only costs you $200 to go through our review process. So, And we keep it that way as a... Um, to ensure that we're living our value around equity because we don't believe that you should, having the seal should be about how much money you have as an organization, that you can communicate strength regardless of the size of your organization. Um, and so, um, you know, we really keep it affordable and we're, we, you know, how we talk about what we do is we're the most affordable uh, capacity building an organization can undertake. Mm -hmm. But GuideStar's um, model being different from going to the charity to ask them for that kind of contribution, they're asking people that want to know more about charities to pay money, which of course might be charities in many cases uh, as potential clients, but not necessarily exclusively. I mean, there could be other people that want access to that data. Um, have you understood much about how that revenue model has worked in the past? Because again, as somebody who's not really used it, I just don't know, is that part of the challenge that they're facing that that hasn't been something that has been more self-sustaining? Definitely. Um, you know, the reality is those 990s are available to anyone who wants them, right? So you just From other sources too, not just... Yes, from story. other sources. Mm -hmm. So there isn't... Um, um, a way to monetize that for uh, GuideStar. So for GuideStar, um, they really created this financial modeling, right, that mm -hmm. was a paid um, subscription, if you will, that you were um, you joined uh, their membership to get access to this financial reporting. Um, it was very robust, um, but it, it it also cost a fair amount of money. So there weren't a lot of nonprofits that wanted to um, pay that kind of a fee. I know there are a few that do, even locally. And then um, it really were they, it really round down to um, funders who, yeah. um, you know, foundations, um, whether they're corporate or community or private foundations, were the ones who really subscribed at that level to get that kind of financial information. So they didn't have to have that um, knowledge in house as an organization that they could rely on those kind of financial reports from GuideStar. But it obviously, um, you know. It, I don't know how sustainable that was. I haven't taken a look at their 990 to see what their earned revenue was. Um. Right, and to the other side of the, the new candid house is the Foundation Center Online where I do give them money all the time because part of what I do is try to help raise funds for nonprofit organizations. And the Foundation Directory Online is a monthly subscription service that I have found completely worth the resources. Um, however, that said, the challenge I think that has happened there, and I'm wondering if this merger might not help a little bit, is uh, the, um, the publicly accessible information from givers, uh, large-scale institutional givers at the Foundation Directory Online, um, is still relatively limited when it comes to things like uh, donor-advised funds, smaller family foundations, stuff that doesn't have great web presence to research. Um, there's a lot of giving that happens out there that is still kind of opaque in that process. It's great to have the service where you can pay a subscription to log in and see a lot of information, but it is a challenging thing, I, I've got to think. So does the merger of these two things, does anything along that line make any sense to you that maybe we'll start to see more transparency on the donor side um, if Foundation Directory Online is a little bit more entwined with what GuideStar was? 
Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally would love to see more transparency around um, all of the uh, giving funds that are out there making significant contribution uh, in our communities at a local level. Uh, it's, it's very hard to track those um, funds, how to access those funds or how to um, get information about what you're doing. Um, and, you know, we also at Charities Review Council would love to help those folks uh, leverage our resources mm-hmm. that we provide for smart giving um, as uh, to be used as part of their smart giving strategy. It will be interesting with those two mergers that, that there's that potential, right? So if, if those folks who accessed foundation center information um, would be um, more likely to access or, or be led more easily toward the resources of GuideStar, what Mm-hmm. was formerly GuideStar. Um, and so um, I would think that there's a cross-marketing strategy that right. will be really significant for them. And it will be interesting to see if they find additional ways to monetize, um, potentially, right, this new merged strategy for them as an organization. Right. So we're recording this at the um, late February 2019. And who knows, you know, whenever people may be listening to this, there could be more information. But they just did do a a webinar launch a little while ago um, to talk about this a little bit more and are pledging at this point that they're not looking at any kind of immediate staff reductions and whatnot, that what they're really thinking about more is that um, is there a way to leverage the information in those two different subscription type business models to have enough revenue to support the existing missions, plural. Um, and uh, that will be interesting to me to see as somebody who pays one of them but hadn't paid the other to go, is there a reason to step up my tier? Because I, I have a the, the lower tier membership in Foundation Center Online or subscription or whatever term they use. Uh, because again, that's been sort of enough. I haven't found the value in the higher level tiers. I've tried them. Um, but did not feel like I was getting enough more value out of it. So if they can bring more value to that by understanding their own data better, then you know it could be that there is a combination of charities and people like me that work for charities that will pay more to access better data about people that have the ability to give, um, but also that um, those people that want to be evaluated well by foundations and directors will finally maybe step up and and think about participating in a different way. Um, but I don't know yet how that goes. I mean, it's, too, it's just too early for any of us to know maybe where that goes. Do you, do you have any um, kind of optimism about this in particular or concerns about the merger that, as you just hear about it and think about it in the general zeitgeist? I don't know that I have concerns necessarily. I do think it, um, it shows... Um, forward thinking uh, for both organizations to be um, um, not have a similar mission and find a way to feel like they can have a cohesive um, service to provide community. Um, and um, I think I think our times are changing, Steve. Yeah. Um, you know, with the change in the tax law, and we're we're all going through our taxes for the first time um, with under the new tax laws that went into effect last year. And so, you know, what I see happening is more and more donors. It's going to be about the difference an organization is making um, and the relationship that you have with um, the organizations and the causes you care about. And I think that. Um, this merged organization does have the potential uh, to be able to create um, 
more informed givers, right? So the folks who are on the foundation center that are uh, side that were um, donors and um, accessing information there may find themselves um, having been unaware of GuideStar that mm-hmm. now they are able to access GuideStar's information and um, and that for those who have accessed primarily GuideStar, um, to take a look at what happens with the Foundation Center. I, I know as a nonprofit, we haven't been members of a Foundation Center, but certainly, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding additional resources and as nonprofits, understanding that there are resources available for um, a guide of who's giving what, where, how, and right. to see whether you fit or not um, is incredibly um, appealing uh, to nonprofits and who are continuing to find, try to find new ways to get enough revenue to continue to sustain and grow their organization. Yeah, I, I think a, a, perhaps a word of caution that I would have from anybody going, oh, great, this new thing is going to now open more doors and I'll just be able to find better fits and apply for new resources and, and the money shall therefore roll in. Um, I, I think what I've seen certainly from using the tools in the past is um, these tend to be colder relationships than you know anything else. You've found them in a database. So you can certainly apply, absolutely, but um, my experience is, has been that first application is sort of a get-to-know-you knock on the door, and uh, not like a here's a large grant, we love what you do thing, but it, it gives you the opportunity to meet somebody anyway that you didn't know necessarily was interested in the type of work that you're doing. I think one of the bigger challenges that I'm still concerned about, and I'm, I'm hearing a little from you, is this um, shift in giving to uh, places where we can't really see, here's our focus area, here's our priority, and here's how to contact us. That um, We might be able to see a report from you know Fidelity Donor Advised Funds to say, we gave away a bazillion dollars last year. And you're like, great, how do I contact the donors that care about my stuff? And their answer is, you don't. <laughs> we, we don't have that for you. Um, this, I don't think, changes any of that, right? No, it doesn't change that in any way, shape or form, you know, and I, I do think, um, that the relationship, you know, I mentioned the relationship piece earlier, and I think that that builds on exactly what you said, Steve, around having a database and having a cold, um, application go in. Um, the reality is the first having been on both sides, right. Mm -hmm. Of the coin. So having come out of the corporate funding Mm -hmm. world, um, the first thing is to find, um, funders who actually care about what you're doing. And, um, you know, that's the first most important step, um, is to find someone who's giving, uh, aligns with your priorities. Right. And then, um, figuring out how to start relationship with those folks. And sometimes it is a cold application and sometimes it's reaching out. Sometimes it's a, an email or, or a LOI letter of inquiry. Right. So, um, <clears throat> but relationship in particular is going to be that much more important. And, and I think the, the interesting part for Foundation Center and GuideStar is um, the more full relationship that they can have with both donors and nonprofits because of their merged organization, right? Mm-hmm. And so it will be fascinating to see how that lives out, but I do think that there, um, I can see why it was an attractive um merger and why they moved forward with it. And I'm really excited for their long, longer term. So six months, if somebody is listening to this and it's six months from now, it'll be really interesting to see if this bears out. But I do think that they're, um, you know, they could have a one plus one equals three in some ways with, um, the merged organization and their ability to serve, um, that broader section in a more full way. 
Right. So one of the things they talked about was the uh, um, in their webinar was the the fact that the um, 990 data is mostly machine readable now, stored on an Amazon Web Services piece and and accessible. Um, I haven't used their tools that way because again, I think those are the the um, the subscription level services to start really looking at the financial analysis from those numbers. I've usually gone in and grabbed um, PDF versions of 990s and just read them myself and not waited for a machine to do the analysis because uh, you know that's been enough of what I've needed it for. But if part of what they're hoping to do here is to leverage that existing capacity to actually do something with that machine-readable part of it that the rest of us can't do from just picking up 990 after 990 after 990, um, there might be some real value there. But I, I'm really interested in your point about, you know, what if the, the folks at the Foundation Center are the ones that are trying to leverage that better within their own services to research and tell us more? about the stuff that is really your core mission, about the, 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 the efficient, effective, transparent, community-engaged nonprofit versus the one who's a little bit more opaque, um, can't really understand the results, don't know what's happening in the world. You know, if, if those two things can be kind of called a little bit easier through their machine-readable data than, than what ours is, that really might be something that people will pay for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I also think that it will be fascinating to see how they differentiate from Charity Navigator, right? So which uses um, public financial data and scores and ranks non nonprofits, right? So the reality is Charity Navigator only works with large organizations. The majority of nonprofits don't even meet the threshold to be re reviewed by Charity Navigator. Mm -hmm. And so um, is there space for this new entity, Candid, um, to be able to come in and play a role more broadly across all nonprofits in a way that currently Charity Navigator isn't able to serve donors with that kind of information. I do, um, you know, it's, it is a, an interesting time, right? <laughs> um, is a very Minnesotan way of saying that, <laughs> right? Um, it is an interesting time um, in, in our field and in our sector with all of the changes that are happening um, and to um, prognosticate around what, what's going to happen with nonprofits and funders with all of these kinds of changes. I, I do think it really is going to be more and continue to be more and more around um, how to have conversation around the difference that you want to make as an organization and how right. you can articulate and um, be specific about that change and then finding those individuals, organizations, funders that are excited about what it is that you're doing. So um, I think the, um, the ability to say, you know, it's a tax write-off, right? Mm -hmm. You know, give to us because you can get a tax break. That, that kind of, that ship sailed, right? Yeah. And so how do we continue to be organizations um, and then as nonprofits articulating the difference we're making, but for funders to be very um, clear about what it is that they want to accomplish with the funds that they're giving, right? You know, if they're able to um, be really direct and specific about what it is that they want and need to support, I think that that um, could be um, impactful um, for the nonprofit sector. 
Yeah, I kind of have this dream that there would be this Amazonification of this process a little bit where um, somebody goes in and says, I want to give to large charity X because you know, I have some resources to give and I've heard of them. And then um, along the line, it says, wow, you know, donors like you have also been interested in charities X, Y, and Z and surface something that they aren't aware of that might actually be closer to what they're hoping to see change in the world. But they hadn't tried to put in some kind of full-fledged resource research thing. They're just responding to what they know. Somebody at that large charity asked them. They know about them. They feel comfortable with it. They make a gift. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just that to your point of um, is there somebody that does it differently and maybe just a little bit closer to what really does sync with you, but you're a small family foundation and you're not going to read uh, 150 applications every quarter. That's just if there's a way for us to encourage those donors to not just take that quick response thing and say, are you really looking at the full range and can we surface through some of these data-driven tools, something that really might be a little bit more, you know, to your heart. And I think that that's a, and, and you know, your head as well, that you, you've got both sides of it. That could be very exciting. I don't know that that is what's in the plans, but I'd love to see something like that occur. Wouldn't it be awesome if Candid listened to this and took that as an idea. I mean, I think, I actually think that would be amazing to have that kind of recommendation, um, happening as, um, so as a donor, you can sign up and say, I'm a smart giver. Right. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, and these are my priorities and then have something help source, um, organizations that are making that kind of impact in our communities. Right. right? Because the reality is, you know, even, all the great organizations that we partner with, there are lots of nonprofits that haven't been um, part of our review process, right? Right. And so, um, but they're doing amazing work. And so how do you, um, you know, everyone feels like we're a best kept secret, right? And so how do you um, kind of remove the um, secrecy around what it is that you're doing? And it's, um, it is, it will be interesting to see with Candid what this blend um this blended organization is able to do and how it crosses across those lines. Like what's the innovation for them around that kind of, um, what is the plus one on that, right? right. For, for this merged organization, rather than, you know, if they continue to just do that, which they've always been doing right as separate entities and just align it together and get some efficiencies, um, that isn't terribly exciting. <laughs> right. So, um, uh, hopeful, I mean, they have some smart folks that are, um, leading this, um, merger. And so, um, it will be, it, it will be interesting to see if they're able to kind of transform it and think about, um, what could be instead of right. what Spend. Yeah, because I think that when they talk about the um, the machine-readable components of the 990s being aggregated to be able to look at more rich data, that's pretty much financial data. I mean, the stuff that comes out of the 990s that talks about impact is, um, is narrative, and I don't know that that's something that a, a machine can make a database out of. It's um, when, when I've looked at these, you know, you get a few paragraphs uh, a couple of pages in that may have some numbers in them, but it, it's really there's your shot to talk about your impact in the world on that form. So if that document isn't going to be the way um, that we get the information about who's having impact in the areas that we care about, um, how do we encourage people to um, be able to share that impact story in a way that is kind of apples and apples comparisons? And boy, I don't know how to crack that particular nut, but do, do you have thoughts about how people can compare impact information to for help givers make decisions? Um, well, 
It is about relationships. So it's yeah. about talking to the organizations, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's doing your homework. It's um, not just uh, looking at annual reports or information on websites or um, 990s. It's actually talking to the organization about the difference they're making to understand because there's no fixed formulas. There's no um, master formula that says you get an, a, you know, a score of four out of five as an organization, um, both from your financial and your, um, programmatic outcomes. And so, and I don't know that we want to reduce ourselves to that kind of a number either. So how do we, um, tell the full story of the difference we're making? Because there's something to be said for the qualitative, um, data that we are able to talk about the difference we're making as an organization versus the the, um, just the, sh- the sheer numbers and the quantitative score. Let me just ask you about um, advice you may have for uh, charities sort of pre-candidate announcement and whether that changes any in terms of how do they think about the, these uh, larger infrastructure partners at the more national level? I think people here understand how to work with Charities Review Council, um, or they have very good access to find out if they don't really know right now. Um, but I think as they're thinking about this holistic, how do we present ourselves to the world, um, have you, as part of the process, said, yeah, you know, you should go in and update your GuideStar information with this stuff, or you should do you know, these things in addition to these are the good steps that we're recommending you consider. Is, has that been part of the process? Does that change as a result of this? Well, we, of course, have had, um, we're, um, have a great relationship with GuideStar, right? So we've been in conversation with them, and um, we've talked about how to leverage what each of us do because there is difference between what each mm-hmm. of us does. Um, and we have um, promoted for nonprofit organizations to make sure that they're updating their profile on the guide star, okay. right? So, um, and making sure that the information that they put up there is, uh, current and that it, you know, for us, it's that it matches what they have reported in their 990. It matches what they have on their website, what they have submitted to us as part of their review process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the consistency in all of those places is incredibly important. And so, and I also think as nonprofits, the more information you can put on GuideStar or anywhere else, um, the better. Um, there aren't other uh, similar organizations. I mean, you know, um, so getting your getting your GuideStar profile, at least at a gold and hopefully a platinum, you know, that's that's how they kind of mm-hmm. rank them, um, is incredibly important because there are folks who rely on information there. Looking at, um, you know, the Charity Navigator, it only touches organizations with a budget of a million dollars or more. So, um, you know, up to 75% of nonprofits don't have that size budget. So mm-hmm. um, the majority of organizations aren't touched by Charity Navigator. But if you are understanding how your score is determined um, and then um, being able to talk about what that means for your organization uh, is incredibly important, you know? So, and I think with the, um, where I was going to go before with the 990 is making sure that um, you're telling your whole story and your 990 Mm -hmm. is really important because there are donors who will still rely on that kind of overhead conversation and, and want to know that and make giving decisions based on that. And we're doing our best to help donors understand why that isn't the um, smartest way uh, to to make a giving decision and uh, between organizations. But there are still a lot of folks who are dependent on that. And when you rely just on the, um, the financial data, that's that's where you end up. Right. If people aren't aware. And I, I often talk with the, as an illustration, kind of 
tell people if you've got one organization that has you know 30% overhead and one that has 10% overhead, but the one with 30% overhead cured cancer yesterday, right? Do you care anymore that that's what their overhead was? Or do you care that, oh my gosh, somebody finally cured cancer? Uh, what are they doing in the world and how are they communicating that they're doing it? Because if they too, like you know, CRC is sort of you know a best kept secret, then none of this merger stuff impacts them at all. If they're only going to be having their publicly available 990 data aggregated with all the other machine read 990 data and it doesn't do anything other than that well then you know this doesn't this change doesn't mean a lot to that kind of an organization but I think as we look at um, how are they presenting their information in ways that mean something to people but also um, looking out to whom those partners may be through the tools of the foundation center um, which by the way is I, I keep talking about the foundation directory online because it's a, it's a service that I use but they have research and other um, really helpful useful information not all of which requires any kind of membership so there's a lot of good data that's been thought through and gathered there too um, I, I still have not found that um, fantastically illustrative and really helpful information about what do we do in this donor advised funds world that I think is really challenging for charities but they're putting out a lot of other good stuff that's been very helpful so I think understanding as a charity going in there even if you're not doing a monthly subscription and looking through um, that particular side of the lens is good I think it really helps them understand what foundations might be scanning for and seeing when they have made other decisions so we're running just a little low on time so I want to um, ask if you have kind of future thoughts about where um, uh, charities and maybe even especially those smaller ones the the million dollar and under kinds of folks um, where do you kind of recommend they they think about um, their their relationship with funders that may be outside their traditional giving circle I mean how do they begin those conversations how do they talk to them you know we actually um We've, we're working a strategy that's been really fascinating. We took a look at the um, business journals and took a look at all the different top businesses of um, different industries mm -hmm. in the Twin Cities community and highlighted how each of those or companies gives in the community. It's great to rely on those big partners, but um, you know the U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, Target, all those kind of traditional funders. The reality is we have an incredibly generous community, and how do you look beyond those large funders and find organizations that can be great partners at a local level. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of a path that we've been um, looking to find um, um, companies that are engaged in community and trying to find those companies where um, how we go about doing our work in the community aligns with how the, the difference that they want to see, right? So it's a little bit of homework um, yeah. to be able to dig in and kind of do those kinds of things, but to look outside, look at, you know, as a small nonprofit, um, look in your neighborhood, who's in your community, what businesses, they don't have to be the big ones, right? So how do you, um, and how, and, and be in relationship. I can't stress that enough that um, a great application, um, you know, when you submit a great application for funding, um, it's just a great application, <laughs> right? And without any kind of relationship behind it, um, you know, it, it, in this, in this world, for better or for worse, um, relationship matters, yeah. right? And so, um, and it is about who you know. And so it is beholden to us as nonprofits to get to know funders um, and not just um, asking them for money. And as funders, um, it, it, you're beholden to 
um, get out there and meet new nonprofits and and um, find new ways that um, or new organizations that are making um, change happen at at a local level, right? Yeah. So rather than relying on what comes to you, how do you um, both as a nonprofit and as a funder, how do you be proactive in um, finding um, organizations to work with and partner with? And it really is centered on that um, authentic and engaged relationship where you can say yes and no to each other, right? So, um, no, that's not really what we're doing, but maybe you want to fund this other one, you know? I mean, right. how novel is a nonprofit to be able to say, um, you know, I'm a, I don't think I'm making the, I don't think I'm in line with what you're wanting to see happen. I'm about 40% there, but this, this organization is 80%. Why don't you go yeah. and have a conversation with them, right? I, I do wish that I could encourage everybody out there that sees any funding opportunity and, and some very Rube Goldberg way to get to it, to go, no, just just don't. 40% isn't good enough. It isn't. You know, you really got to stop trying to do some logic twists to go, we're kind of close to what they've talked about. Let's try. Let's get in there. And um, I do think that the time is better spent trying to dig up people that you haven't found yet, even though you're going to look, but this is the only list we have. I'm like, well, I know, but now... Go to LinkedIn and, you know, let's get started. Let's start digging through who we know. Let's go talk to people, you know, all those yeah. things. Talk to your board, you know, mm -hmm. what, who do they know that yeah. have um, positions in companies that, you know, and that's, that's what we did. So we looked at that list and then we found board members who had relationships with people in those companies and, and just start talking to people. Yeah. So, um, as we're wrapping up, um, just any, um, upcoming ideas or excitement about the other parts of the Charities Review Council mission that you want to share with folks? Sure. Two things. Um, we have our forum 2019 coming up on May 14th, the morning. Uh, registration will open the beginning of um, March, which is Friday. So um, hopefully it'll be open next week. Um, but we are really excited to have our theme this year is Breaking Patterns and our keynote speakers, Yuvine Lubecki, who started leading through change. Um, and so she talks about empathetic leadership and mm. the importance of that. And so how do we break patterns? You know, how do we, how do we get outside of who we know and meet new people and um, do things differently than we've always done them? So we're really excited about this event. It'll be at the Cole Center. Um, the morning of May 14th. So watch for that. Um, and then we're really excited to, um, we've launched a partnership with an organization called Lideranza. And we I'm have- sorry, called what? Lideranza. Lideranza. And their leadership balance division has developed, um, we've signed a licensing agreement for our diversity, equity, and inclusion toolkit. Oh, cool. And so they've created a for-profit version of the toolkit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is really, so then they're just about ready to launch and start selling. So we're really excited about the potential for us. So, oh, cool. um, you know, the difference that that toolkit will make in community, you know, we're partnering with nonprofits and, and, uh, they're going to, uh, look to, uh, serve the for-profit world. Well, and that. to our whole conversation that as we're in relationship with those for-profit partners that are helping us out a lot, and they see these efforts that we're making on diversity, inclusion, equity issues to be able to say some of the same tools we're using are you know now more readily available to pick up and, and engage with your community too. That's great. I did not know that's coming. That's really exciting. Thanks. We're really excited about it. All right. I, I wish we could talk a little bit more, but we're going to have to wrap it up. So let me just say, uh, Chris Kiewicz, Executive Director of the Charity Review Council, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve.